Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. Well, we all had to witness it on Thursday, uh, the uh, the calamity that was the, the Colts game. Uh, we're going to talk about the Indianapolis Colts today, what they should do, their fo- uh, future looking forward as they will have uh, 10 days to get geared up for two very important games. I think the, the season itself kind of rests on these next couple of weeks as they take on the Jaguars and the Titans. We're going to kind of reflect on the game on Thursday as well as look at the future. Um, and B. Scott, we talked about it. It's been a minute since uh, we, we've done a podcast together. I'm glad that the Purdue Boilermakers have kind of turned it around after a slow start. Uh, now we're playing a little bit better. But, hey, how, how have you been doing? Uh, what's been going on in your world? Oh, yeah, I've been good. Been busy just working and raising two crazy kids and, you know, this the normal stuff. But, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the Boilers being able to turn it around and being tied for first in the West Division with a slate of winnable games staring them down. I'm very happy, uh, but not as happy with the Colts. And, honestly, I feel really bad uh, from Thursday night. I feel really bad for Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit because <laughs> that was like the worst game possible to call. And Al Michaels just let it be known. He yeah. he was not like shy about how bad this game was. And I can't believe I actually watched the entire thing myself. Right. Yeah. But, it, hey. it It's one of those things where like you, you kind of look, you know, you're, you're a guy who like Al Michaels, you've broadcasted, you know, the miracle on ice, you've broadcasted Monday night football forever. Um, you know, and the so Super Bowl, you, the Super I mean. Bowl, and you know, on one hand, you're like, oh, you know, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you shouldn't say some of that stuff as a broadcaster, but look, I'm glad he did. I mean, it needed, there was no sugarcoating how bad the football was uh, on Thursday right. night. And, and I mean, the sad part is you, you've got the commanders and the Bears coming up, so there's a chance it's as ugly, uh, but it's going to be, uh, tough to beat how ugly that Colts game was on Thursday night. I I mean, Hey, he's allowed to say it because he, he can, he can, right. For one. right. He's, he's, you know, he's got the credibility to be able to say those types oh, yeah. of things, but two, he was only saying what everybody else was <laughs> thinking and tweeting at the time. I actually, honestly, I probably felt more sorry for Kirk Herbstreit because all he was doing is sitting there watching his watch and going, when can I get on my, on the plane to Kansas for uh, college game day this weekend? I just, I just want to get out of here. Like this isn't worth my time. Yeah, yeah, definitely one of those weeks where he's like, you know, uh, I think I'm just going to skip <laughs> skip ahead to the, the college football slate. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and uh, dive in. I mean, it was an ugly game uh, on Thursday night. You had the first quarter. I mean, you, you could kind of tell it was going to be a rough night with how it started. Literally, uh, first play. <laughs> of uh the game for, uh, for the Colts Naheem Hines Naheem Hines actually no it was sorry it was on third down uh Naheem Hines lead uh leaves after a hit uh to the head on third down um it was a 3 and 0 lead for the Broncos after the first quarter uh in the second quarter the Colts are driving for the first time all game that that is until Matt Ryan throws a pick um it's 6-3 Broncos at halftime it's an absolute punt fest uh, the third quarter, each team adds a field goal. And the fourth quarter, kind of an odd sequence of events as the uh, Broncos are driving um, to potentially kick another field goal or at least wind the clock down You know, to nearly the end of the game. Uh, the Broncos elect to pass 
Um, and uh, Stephon Gilmore intercepts Russell Wilson in the end zone with 214 to play. Uh, Indy was out of timeout. So like the, the Broncos literally, I don't, I don't know exactly how the time worked out. There may have been a situation where they would have had to give the ball back at some point to the Colts, but they could have at least made it a six point game and which at, in this particular instance would probably have been an insurmountable lead with how neither team was able to even get in the end zone. Uh, Chase McLaughlin is able to connect on a 31 yard field goal with five seconds left. That sends the game to overtime and sends some Broncos fans uh, to the exits early. Cause they're like, you know what? I actually don't want to admit tomorrow at work that I'm tired. <laughs> I'd rather because... get some sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather get some sleep before work. It's going to be a little bit more embarrassing if I go into the office, like, yeah, you know, I'm really tired today. I sat through the entirety of the Broncos. Or, no, let's be honest. What it was or like, Man, they stopped selling beer after the end of the third <laughs> quarter. I don't think I can handle another five more minutes of this without a fresh beer. Right. Nope. I'm I, out. <laughs> I, I cannot be sober for the remainder of this game. Um, yeah. McLaughlin, uh, first drive of overtime, is able to hit a 48-yarder to give the Colts their first lead of the game. Denver drives all the way down to the Colts' six-yard line. The Broncos elect to go for it aside from kicking it, which, honestly, at that point, I was kind of rooting for the Colts to have two ties on the season. That would be pretty interesting. Has that um, ever happened, a team, like, in modern football? Probably where not. Where a team modern. has had two t- ties in a season or – Two ties in the beginning of the season. I want probably as far as at this early in the season, it's probably a little bit more unprecedented. I want to say there was like a Bengals team that a couple years ago had two ties, but um, I I could be mistaken on that. But yeah, it, it definitely is, is something very unique uh, that could have potentially happened. Um, but the, they decide to go for it. Russell Wilson doesn't see to, doesn't see a wide open KJ Hamler. Uh, instead, he throws it into traffic. The pass falls incomplete. And the Colts, I, I, I kind of chuckled to myself when I typed this out. The Colts earned the victory. They, I mean, they did technically earn the victory. Hey, but that defense did earn it. The defense right. earned it. Yeah. Uh, looking at some of the stats, uh, Matt Ryan went 26 for 41 with 251 yards and two picks. Deion Jackson um, actually was a pretty good bright spot. 13 rushes for 62 yards in relief. I mean, of all the, the talk about, oh, it's a revenge game uh, for uh, Philip Lindsay. Uh, he didn't have the greatest of games. Um, Alec Pierce, though, eight catches for 81 yards. He's starting to blossom a little bit. Um, and so before we get into the meat and potatoes here, talking about the Colts, I did, uh, you know, talk, because this podcast is probably going to be a little bit more on the negative side with talking about the Colts. So I wanted to start off with at least something positive to take out of the first five games of the season. And honestly, I do think we talked a lot about the weapons uh, for Matt Ryan at the beginning of the year. And I do think they are starting, they are starting to, uh, starting to come around after a rough week one. Um, you know, after dropping his only two targets against the Texans, Alec Pierce has caught 15 of 20 passes he's been targeted on uh, for 222 yards, still looking for his first touchdown. But, uh, you know, and the tight ends have been really reliable. You have two touchdowns uh, for Jelani Woods against the Chiefs, two touchdowns he's from Mo'Ally Cox. Good. Yeah. Two, he's uh, going to be really good. <laughs> Two uh, touchdowns for Moali Cox against the Titans. Kylan Granson has been a reliable target. Um, you know, are they the caliber weapons that we would like the Colts to have? Absolutely not, but they are starting to come around. And and you wonder how much more they would be coming around if it weren't for the ineptitude right now at quarterback. See, I don't even know if it's the ineptitude at quarterback. I don't honestly, he doesn't have much chemistry with them yet. And that's coming around. Obviously, and we're seeing these players come around. 
But honestly, I put a lot more of it onto the offensive line. The offensive line is not giving him any time to even be able to step up into the pocket to allow a receiver to get open. I think as he builds this more, builds a little bit more chemistry with these wide receivers, maybe that will improve. But I mean, some of the decisions, I mean, they're not Carson Wentz-esque decisions, but he's got, he does have butterfingers when he gets hit. He tends to drop the ball a lot. I don't know. Again, that comes on to the offensive line. You know, when I look at this team, though, um, yeah, it's I want to say the defense is a really is a bright spot right now at this point. Yeah, I know they gave up 31 to the Titans a week after shutting down the, the Chiefs offense. But yet they shut down the Chiefs offense. They made this this past Thursday night. They actually kept the team in the game. How many times did uh, Denver just drive deep into Colts territory and then get turned away? Either they had to settle for a field goal or they ended up getting backed up and had to punt or a turnover, anything like that. So this defense is showing its resiliency and it's, it, it's a, it's a bend, but don't break style. I know a bend, but don't break style is really frustrating, but it works. It, it does work if, if you have the right pieces in play, you know, so that's a positive for me. But the other positive is that this team at least on the surface or on when you see them out on the field, they haven't given up. You know, they, they, they could have just said, man, we're just not here tonight. This game we're done. Like whatever we can't, our offense can't move the ball. We can't do anything. We're down offensive linemen. We don't have Jonathan Taylor, whatever. Or when they, you know, yeah, they fell behind against the Texans early in the season in game one, they battled back. Yeah. They probably should have won that game. And, I think replaying that game today, I think they would win that game, obviously, with Chase McLaughlin at kicker. (laughs) I mean, there's your positive. There's your biggest positive. They made the right move by getting um, rid of Rodrigo Blankenship and bringing in Chase McLaughlin. I'm sorry. that I mean, he's he's been – obviously, he made that clutch kick with about five seconds left in this game to send the game to overtime. That's, to me – uh, Rodrigo does not make that kick. He does not hit that one. So there's another positive. There are positives if you look at it. And I guess also if you spin some of the stuff that like the defense played well. Yeah, they've played well in two games. Um, but it's it's getting there. Remember, this is a new coordinator. There's a lot of new pieces. It's going to come together. I, I'm, I'm going to have a little bit more faith than a lot of people. That doesn't mean I don't want to see change, especially in the offseason. I think there needs to be change. But I'm going to look at the positives right now and believe that this thing can get righted. There are the pieces there to right the ship, I think. I hope. Yeah, I mean, there are definite things that can that can improve and definite things that, uh, you know, this team, I think, can play better. Um, and that's kind of going into, uh, we're going to do kind of two different hot and cold, uh, segments. We're going to do a main one here after we uh, talk about our friends of the show, but first, uh, before kind of like one last bit looking, uh, one last, you know, talking point about the past before we kind of look ahead a little bit, um, hot or cold, the Colts season has been a disappointment. And I actually, 
I'm actually going to say no. Um, I didn't know uh, if I you know, would go contrarian on this one or not, um, because at the end of the day, it is about the wins and losses, and the Colts are about where we thought they would be win total-wise, or at least where I thought you know they would be win total-wise. They just got a different way to get there. Exactly. I mean, my prediction <laughs> at the beginning of the year was that they would beat Houston and Tennessee at uh, They would beat Houston, Tennessee at home, uh, but lose to Jacksonville, Kansas City, and Denver. That would put them at two and three. So technically, at two, two and one, they're better uh, than uh, uh, what I thought they would be at the beginning of the year. And I mean, there is a universe where they could. Um, have looked good the first five weeks of the season and still been two and three. I mean, they could have looked amazing. They they played amazing against the Chiefs, but they still technically could have lost that game. They, you know, Jacksonville has looked better than expected. Um, so that loss doesn't look near. No, I mean they did get shut out twenty four to nothing, but it doesn't look as bad. Um, as it do, did, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, we, you know, the playoff loss against the Bengals has made people forget that Tennessee was the AFC one seed last year. So. I mean, they're you know the Colts have lost the the Colts losses aren't terrible losses. The tie the tie is the worst game right now on their as far as like you know wins and losses goes. I mean, you would love to have exactly. that. You'd love to have that. You know, because I think there's even a little bit of a different conversation. A, a three and two for the first you know five weeks of the season looks a lot better um, than obviously two two and one. So. Um, you know, the Colts now have 10 days to prepare uh, and get right for a two-week stretch in the division, and we'll find out who they're going to be in those two weeks. But I think so far I'm not ready to call it a, a disappointing year, but obviously in two weeks uh, we could be saying a very different thing. Yeah, I agree. This, uh, it's, um, this is a cold take. I, I don't think it's a disappointment because, yes, that like you said, that tie is super frustrating because the win was there to be had. But the Colts made the adjustments necessary that if they had to play that game over again, they would come out on top. And I've already gone over that, what that adjustment was. And honestly, I think now when you, if you play that game again, Alec Pierce doesn't drop that easy touchdown in the end zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, he's a rookie. That was game one, legitimate game one. And those types of things are going to happen. Yeah, it happened in a big spot. And then your kicker doesn't show up. That, 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 that hurts. But like you said, things would look a lot different if there wasn't that tie. You know, this team is easily three and two if you replay that, if you have to replay that game. Um, but yes, it's not a disappointing disappointment of a season yet. These, these next few weeks will be very telling. <clears throat> but for me, I guess I, if I had to pick one word to describe this season so far, it would be frustrating. Mm hmm. Yeah, it has been a very frustrating year uh, just because it's hard to not kind of relive what, you know, last season was. I mean, you're you're fresh off the disappointment of, you know, the Colts literally just have to beat Jacksonville and they're in the playoffs last season. And instead, um, you know, you, ha- you have a disappointing end of the season and that just seemed to carry over into the first five weeks of this season. Right. And look. For some reason, the Colts just cannot play in Jacksonville. Yeah. Even back dating back to the Peyton Manning years. I mean, how many times did the Colts go down to Jacksonville and Maurice Jones Drew and <laughs> oh, who was their other Fred Taylor? Fred Taylor yeah. just ran roughshod on a team that would go on to win a Super Bowl. I mean, right. it's like forty-four what? to seventeen, <laughs> whatever. That's exactly. It, for some reason, there is just this team does not have the ability to go down to Jacksonville. And play a good game. Yeah. And I mean, and so, I mean, 
we'll get into a little bit surprised about that outcome no a little bit but yeah I mean, we will get into it a little bit later with uh, Jacksonville, but um, they Jacksonville has just as much trouble at Lucas Oil looking looking at that stress. So yes, I mean, they, they just each team in this series is just taking care of business at home. Uh, but we'll get into a little bit more of the future uh, for the Colts moving forward. Uh, but first, let's talk about the friends of the show. Are you tired of your same old lunch hour of sitting and scrolling through your apps on your smartphone? Have you thought about playing a board game with your coworkers? Eat Lunch and Board Game is a podcast dedicated to telling you about board games that are great for lunchtime fun and some that are probably better saved for after work hours. I've been playing games at my office for over four years now where I have made new friends and business connections that have been very useful. Board games build bridges. Um, so we talked about the Colts moving forward, uh, looking ahead at October, um, they will play Jacksonville at home this coming Sunday, then go on the road to face Tennessee before returning home against the commander. So uh, there's a, there's a world where you'd like to, you know, heck there's a world where they could potentially win all three of those games. Um, but, uh, you know, w- the first kind of uh, question here in hot or cold, we're going to ask is, the Colts should not have traded for Matt Ryan. Um, and, you know, I, I look at this. There's a, couple of, there's a couple of different angles you, you can uh, play with this. The angle of acquiring Matt Ryan versus the other options at quarterback, uh, and then the angle of pursuing a veteran quarterback versus a younger option and starting to look more at your long-term future um, of the franchise, which I know we've talked about a couple of times, the fact that Matt Ryan is, isn't going to be, or we are thinking he's not going to be a one or two year guy. He's going to be here for maybe three, four uh, years and maybe even beyond that. But you still would like to, you know, wonder what the long-term future of the franchise looks at, looks, uh, looks like. Um, and, you know, looking back at the quarterback carousel this offseason, I mean, the Colts were never going to get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. Maybe after the win on Thursday, by default, maybe R- R- Matt Ryan has been the best of the you know quarterback shuffle this year. As far as, I mean, Baker's not been good. Deshaun Watson hasn't played. We all know about his. And his, I mean, his off field issues wouldn't have warranted the Colts to go get him anyway, just because that wouldn't be the kind of guy they would want to bring in, um, you know. It's not that you know. Uh, it's not that Carson Wentz has looked you know phenomenal at, at in Washington. So you know you, maybe by default you're like okay maybe Matt Ryan was the answer after all as far as who we were going to get in the uh, post Carson Wentz era. Um, you know so of the quarterbacks on the table this off season, yeah Matt Ryan looks just as good as anyone else. Um, but as far as the quarterback carousel carousel that the Colts themselves have been on, I mean look. Andrew Luck's retirement was unprecedented, and that's something that will set your franchise back years. Um, you know, and as a Jacoby Brissett apologist, I'm not going to go rehash that because I do think that he deserves a little bit more credit than what he got. Um, so I was on board with them though, bringing in Phillip Rivers. Uh, the Colts go 11 and five, make the playoffs for the first time since 2014. Rivers uh, throws 24 touchdowns to 11 interceptions with a 97 quarterback rating, which improves on his numbers that he had at the end of his Chargers run. Um, so, I mean, I would say that was a successful experiment. I was on board with that, um, because you didn't really know what to do, um, at the quarterback position. That's one year after, uh, luck, you know, luck unexpectedly retires. So I kind of agree with that plan. Um, then I was also all in on Carson Wentz. It made a lot of sense 
Um, he knew Frank Reich's system. He's a young quarterback, so maybe that you can make something of the guy that Philly thought was their franchise QB. Um, and you know, he has one of his better years by his standards: twenty-seven touchdowns, seven interceptions, a ninety-four point six QB rating. Uh, but because of how it ends, and because he rubs some of the folks in the building the wrong way, he's out after one year. And I now looking on the third year of a rental band-aid quarterback. Um, you know, and I, I just, I think maybe it should have been done after, after Carson Wentz didn't work, it should have just been done after, after that run. I mean, it's a harsh thing to say. I know this year's quarterback class was not it. Um, as far as, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm not out here rooting, you know, for, for Kenny Pickett or, uh, or, uh, clamoring for Desmond Ritter or anything like that, but. I, I think after the Wentz experiment failed, I think that's when the Colts should have looked more more towards a longer-term option at quarterback. I mean, Matt Ryan is on pace for 17 touchdowns and 24 interceptions, his worst quarterback uh, rating of his career, and 71 sacks. Now, obviously, all those numbers won't hold up. They, you know, I don't. No, he's going to get injured. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, he's only fumbled 10 plus times uh, in a season in three other years and had 11 all of last year. He has 11 this season, um, you know, and it feels like you're playing the results a bit, but, you know, to be doing the, you know, this for a third year in a row, you need to hit a home run with who you br- bring in at quarterback. And Matt Ryan has been anything but that. So at least looking at it right now, I'm, I'm saying it's a, it's a hot take. The Colts should not have done that. I think after the Wentz experiment fails, that's when you start looking at, okay, we need to actually look at our long-term guy, and yeah, it, we may not get, you know, the next Andrew Luck or or Peyton Manning the first time we have to go out and draft somebody. Um, but you know, you, you just kind of have to kind of get back into that mindset. I know this is a organization that thinks that they can just plug anyone in and and we'll be fine, and we're learning that that's absolutely not the case. So I'm going to actually say this is a cold take, mostly because. I don't know, even looking at long-term, the Colts were not in a position to go after a long-term option in the draft. You don't have a first-round pick. You're picking middle of the second round. I mean, it's it's really tough to find that long-term solution when your, your first pick is that far back. Um, so I think it was the right move because you did need a better veteran presence at quarterback in the locker room because Carson Wentz was not a locker room guy. And this is the complete total opposite of that. He's, this is a leader. This is a locker room guy. I, I think that's what you needed. And it was a good move. It was, it was really the only move you could make other than keeping Carson Wentz. But I will be the first to say, if the wheels keep falling off the wagon even more this year, I think I'm not. I'm going to say don't go to Nick Foles, don't, because Nick Foles isn't the isn't the solution either. I want to see Sam Ellinger, just to see what we have there. Hey, worst case scenario, you don't think Sam Ellinger is the future for your franchise, but he performs well. He may be the future for somebody else's franchise, um, and it may just be able to help you move up in the draft a little bit this next year to get that long term. I. I my hope, my my worry is with this season, is that the ship gets righted a little bit, and 
Matt Ryan just doesn't play well enough, like well enough to win a bunch of games, but the rest of the team does. Like Matt Ryan's still looking like he's struggling and everything. We win enough games to be out of the quarterback contest for the 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 guys that are going to be legitimate prospects. And Matt Ryan retires. Then we're dumped right back into the middle of the carousel again because we we just we don't we don't lose enough, but we don't win enough to be good to keep the quarterback around from retiring. So I, it, it feels like there's a perpetual treadmill that this team's on, like the hamster wheel. And it either needs to have the wheels completely fall off for the hamster wheel to come undone and be able to hit the reset button properly. I, but I, I don't know. Cause this team is one of those. They're not going to give up. Like I've already said, they're showing resiliency. So I, I, it's hard to say what to do in the future, but I think the signing, the trading for, of Matt Ryan was the right thing to do at the time. Cause like you said, they weren't getting Russell Wilson, which is showing, thank goodness. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, they're, they're not, they weren't getting Aaron Rodgers. Honestly, to me, I feel like had the Colt, the real question should have been, should the Colts have taken Carson Wentz last year? I think they were uh, the front. I, I think Frank Reich was so set and just lobbied so hard for Carson Wentz that they missed opportunities otherwise. I mean, if the rumors are true and Tom Brady really did want to come to Indianapolis at one point and they ended up going, or actually it goes back to Phillip rivers. Actually, they decided to go with Phillip rivers over Tom Brady. So if the rumors are true and the Colts decided to go with Phillip rivers over Tom Brady, I think, yeah, that's not a long-term solution, but it puts at least puts the Colts in a better situation where they can manage things a little bit better. I don't know. It makes them competitive, but then, and then again, all of a sudden Tom Brady retires and Oh, you you won too many games, and now you're out of contention for these higher end prospects. So I don't know. It's a it's a catch twenty two in the NFL. Like, do you want to suck for a good quarterback for a future quarterback, or do you want to be competitive and put a good product on the field consistently? But you can't consistently play well without a long term solution at quarterback. I don't know. It's that's why I, I mean, I don't get paid to figure that stuff out. Well, see, so like, and that's what I'm like, because I was on board. I, I, you know, I, when the Colts got Philip Rivers, I understood it from the sense of okay, go draft someone, um, in, in maybe the middle rounds, whatever. You don't have to go get the you know next generational person. Go get someone who can learn. Like like Jacob Eason when they originally drafted Jacob Eason, have him learn under you know have him learn under a, a, you know philip rivers and and eventually that will be the quarterback of the future and if he's not then that's fine we'll you know that'll that'll be the year the colts go two and 14 or now two and 15 and and we'll we'll be in the line for the next quarterback to go with i carson wentz made sense because it's like okay why, if you know, if if we truly believe, if this team and organization truly believes that we're in our window to potentially win a Super Bowl right now, then it makes sense to go 
out and get a guy who's shown flashes of being able to, you know, literally was in the MVP running in 2017 or 16, whatever year that was before he got hurt. Um, you know, a guy who knows Frank Reich's system from that season, you know, it makes sense to go get that guy, a potential franchise quarterback. When that doesn't happen, that's when I think that they should have. And I know like this off season, you know, fine. It, it kind of, you know, take the quarterback where you can and knowing that there's a chance that it helps, you know, whatever is a chance it goes well, chance it doesn't. This organization believes they're in the running for the Super Bowl when they're really far from it. And it's they they're this and I mean and it even goes down through you know through not just the organization but the fans too are so afraid to be bad for a year that mm-hmm. you know because we've been so spoiled with Peyton Manning right into Andrew Luck that this team doesn't remember I mean I'm I, of course I wasn't alive for the Jeff George years or maybe I was but um I mean you were you know, this this he team, was he, you were very young yes but I mean. There sometimes like it's gonna happen. The Colts are going to be terrible. I mean, we 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 survived the Curtis. We witnessed season. it. We've survived the you know the Jacoby Brissett you know year where he got sacked pretty much every play. It felt like you know it. The Colts are so afraid to be bad that I that like that's what's holding this team back. Like fine, like I'm I am okay with the team being terrible as long as there's a direction. And right now they're trying so hard to cling to, well, we were supposed to win all these champ. You were supposed to be so good with Andrew Luck and they retired. We want to still be good. It's like, right. But you're putting a bandaid on a bullet wound. You're not actually addressing the problem that needs to be addressed. The the most important position on the field, you're getting a bandaid for thinking that your system can just, will just fit everyone. And it's, you know, just kind of this one size, one size fits all thing that, you know, you can just plug someone in and be good. And that's just clearly not the case. So I think like, I, I can make sense of Philip rivers. I can make sense of Carson Wentz. I'm, I'm still hopeful that Matt Ryan will be good. I like Matt Ryan. I don't hate him, but I just think that playing the results and looking at what we, uh, what feels like, what we've looked at for three years. I mean, people forget first five games of the year last year, Carson Wentz threw seven touchdowns and one pick and Philip rivers mm-hmm. year for Philip rivers. That first season uh, in 2020 through uh, was four touchdowns, five interceptions, but still, I mean, so the touchdown numbers weren't there, but he definitely hadn't thrown as many picks. Neither had gotten sacked as many times. We talked about last year, Carson Wentz holding onto the ball a little bit too long. I mean, he still wasn't sacked as much as, as Matt Ryan's been sacked. So I, 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 I just think that it like, I, I'm hopeful that Matt Ryan will be good, but right now it's looking like another like failed experiment. See, but I can understand why the front office at least felt we're in a window now and we need to go get a quarterback that's proven rather than hitting the reset button, because look, you're coming off a year where your running back was essentially, he, he was the runner up for the MVP. He had a record breaking year. You, your defense was only getting better. I mean, and you looked like you were like a few bad decisions from Carson Wentz away from actually being a playoff team. You know, you beat, you beat some good teams last year. So it looked like on paper, this team was ready and it just needed that veteran presence at quarterback, somebody that could push them along the way. But 
I don't think anybody could have really predicted the offensive line turning into a leaky faucet this year. I mean, with the amount of money that has been thrown at that offensive line with right guard, Quentin Nelson, center, Ryan Kelly, right tackle, Braden Smith, who's now had to move back over to guard, which I think he's better at. Um, but still, there is a ton of money that's been thrown at that offensive line, which has was, has been a very solid offensive line. And honestly, I think the, the play, I mean, yeah, the retirement of Andrew Luck really hurt, but I think the retirement of Anthony Costanzo has hurt the worst because yeah. they have not been able to figure that out. And the fact that Eric Fisher came in and was a bust was an even bigger hit. And the fact I don't know why they didn't look into fixing that even more this this offseason. I don't know. I that's this is going to get us into our next question. Yeah. But like the holes that are there, the lack of depth that is there all comes back to Chris Ballard and him thinking, I, yeah, I got to pay my guys. Right. And he did. He paid his guys that have been playing well, but decided that, you know, we're just going to work with what we have. And I think I sent you an article. I'll talk about it here in a second. Let's move on. Yeah, this, this, this is going into the next question. Yeah, so the next hot or cold question is Chris Ballard will survive the season, but not Frank Reich. Um, and I think that's a cold take because I think they're both gone after this season. Um, yeah. uh, maybe even sooner, depending on how these next couple of games go. Um, you know, or at least you'd like to think that if the Colts are truly in their Super Bowl or bust window, like their owner seems to say they are all the time. I like Ballard and Reich, uh, but I just, but man, I'm just mentally exhausted. I can't do this anymore where we get hyped up every year, get talked about, you know, the, well, obviously the organization isn't going to be like, you know what guys, I think our team's pretty mid uh, we're going to go uh, eight and eight this season. Um, so be on the lookout for that. I, I get that part of it, but at the same time, I mean, win now takes risks and the Colts have simply refused to take risks and that falls squarely on Ballard. Um, I mean, so much, you know, as much as I love Ballard, uh, I think he has to go. And I think if Ballard goes, it only makes sense to get rid of Reich too. So the new GM can get their guy. Um, because I mean, to, to come into the season, like, okay, fine. You know, we, we thought we were a, you know, quarterback away from being good, but why are we not putting other pieces around that quarterback to be good? Why are we going into the season with Michael Pittman? And that's pretty much it, you know, with, uh, you know, and you're taking a bunch of untested rookies, which I mean, like I said, they're all, they're all starting it to happens. come around a bit, but you know, why have we, why did we not go and, and look at getting, you know, some upgrades at the wide receiver position? Why didn't we go? Uh, why didn't we shore up that offensive line? Uh, to make sure we could protect Matt Ryan. Why are we, if we're saying, okay, you know, why, why does this team and organization just seem to think like, okay, anything bad that happens, it's the quarterback. The rest of this team is flawless. The quarterback is the only concern. It's like, no, that's not, that's not how this works. You know, you have to put talent around him at wide receiver. You have to, you know, even if it's just to get the pressure off Jonathan Taylor, because I mean, you, you saw it, you've, you've seen it in games where teams are like, just saying like, yeah, fine. We know you like beyond running it with Jonathan Taylor, you got nothing. Um, and so it's, 
it's frustrating that this team every year is like, we're, we're going to be in it. We're going to be, you know, in contention and it just doesn't get reflected on the field. And, you know, you mentioned it, the fact that, you know, we've thrown a lot of money at that offensive line and this was kind of Ballard's calling card that like, Oh, Hey, we're going to build in the trenches. Well, guess what? The trenches look like crap right now. Um, and defensively, I think they look okay. Yeah. Okay. I like our defensive line. Yeah. Yeah, defensive line is solid, but uh, as far as the offensive line, I mean, okay, fine. If you're if you're if you're gonna tell me that you're gonna build in the trenches and that's truly the, like one of the only things that matters, then why does it not look better? Why are we not taking more care of it to make sure that it's better? So, Ballard, I think is a gr- is great as a talent evaluator. I'm not ready to, you know, I I think he, I will to this day will still defend him as a better GM um, than Ryan Grigson, but it's just. I, I can't do this anymore of, yeah, we're fine. We're good. We're going to be, we're going to be okay. And it's like, no, we're not, man. We, we, it's been so, it's been, it's been so mediocre for the last couple of years now. And, and, and if we're truly in that window, we need to actually be proactive, take some risks and yeah, fine. If, you know, if there's egg on your face after a four, you know, 12 and one season, because you went out and signed, you know, OBJ to spice up the wide receiver core and that didn't work out. Well then fine. At least you went for it. I can, I can be okay with it. As long as you're taking swings, you're going to miss sometimes. That's why, I mean, I'm a huge Cubs fan. Uh, you know, as, as everybody on that listens to the podcast knows, like I, because Theo Epstein, you know, had some good, you know, he took some swings and, and he connected on a lot of them going out and getting a role Chapman going out and getting John Lester. And he missed on some getting, you know, Alex Avila and, and Jose Quintana who didn't look uh, the greatest um, in their runs with the Cubs. So, I mean, it's, it's okay. Once you've built up that equity to take some chances and they just refuse to do that while at the same time being like, we're fine, we're good. Like, no, it's not been good. It's not been fine through the first, you know, five weeks of the season. As far as the plan for the future, I think these next uh, couple of games are crucial. Uh, the Colts need to beat the Jags and Titans both. I think if if Frank Reich and Chris Ballard are going to make it through this season, they those they need, the the Cubs need to be sorry the Colts need to be four two and one after after week seven. They need to be four two and one. If they're you know if they lose to the Titans or lose to the Jaguars or lose to both of them, especially if they lose to both of them. You're the season is it's going to be really tough to rally. You're not making the playoffs, right? You're not. Well, you're definitely over in the division, (laughs) right? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you're definitely not winning the AFC South. There's a chance you could rally at the end of the year, you know, and put some wins together and get in as a wild card team as the seventh seed potentially. Uh, but then it's another one and done. And then what does that really get you? Um, so, um, I think they need to win both of those games. And if they don't, that's when the changes need to happen. Fire Ballard and Reich. Uh, you know, Luke Diamond, a Colts podcaster on Twitter, I saw him say make the switch. To, and, of course, you said earlier, make the switch to Sam Ellinger, uh, which I agree with. Uh, put yourself in a position to figure out your future because, essentially, you're going to be looking at your future if you go 0-2 on these next two games. So um, I think they need to win both of those games. Uh, obviously, if they don't win both of those games, it's going to be time to just, you know, peel it back, figure out what you have, start rebuilding this team. Cause it's clearly not in the position that we once thought it was. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think they're both gone at the, by the end of the season or at the, at the end of the season, if not earlier, look, yeah, that we have, there's issues with Frank Reich, 
he his in-game decision making isn't always great but he's one of those guys that I feel like he is struggling with the cards that he's been dealt you know you can if you can only do so much and you used your one wild card on getting the Carson team to Wentz. buy on on Carson Wentz yeah so that 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 doesn't that doesn't help but Chris Ballard, I, you're right. He's a he's good at a talent evaluator, as as anybody out there. He's a great scout. However, this whole thing with being stingy with your cap space, look, congratulations. I, I yeah, you got a ton of cap space, <laughs> but that that doesn't win you games that doesn't win championships i know you don't want to buy a championship i get that i get that you do not want to go out and spend a level money on b level talent and i'm i'm a-okay with that there is nothing wrong with that at all however where he has failed this team time and time again the article that i sent you i cannot remember who wrote that article i think it was sports illustrated yeah actually but where chris ballard has failed the colts is that he has not handled the signing of players for the back end of the roster there is zero depth he talks about building it in the trenches making the trenches better the offensive line depth is awful there is a considerable drop off from high level talent guys to i mean usually you can say oh there's a drop off from the starters to the backups but these guys that they brought in for pennies on the dollar like matt Pryor. Look, they were worth pennies on the dollar because they, you know, for a reason. Right. These guys were bar- in, sitting in the, the Walmart dollar DVD bin for a reason. Um, which, by the way, you can find some really good hidden <laughs> gems in right. that bin, which is, which is great. You, if you can find those gems, if you're willing to go digging through it, you can find them. But he hasn't. And he hasn't put in the time to go out and get those types of players that can help on the back end of the roster. The, the example the writer used was when the Buffalo Bills drafted Josh Allen, they had an awful offensive line. They knew they weren't, they didn't want to go out and just spend a ton of money to, with band-aids, but they knew they didn't want that to be a long-term solution, but they knew they needed to do something now to improve it while the back end talent, the rookies progressed and they went out and they made some key signings on the offensive line of veteran players. Yeah. They may have overpaid a little bit on some of the guys, but they had a considerable increase in, well, their, their offensive line played considerably better the following season. And as those guys aged, the guys on the back end were getting better and getting more experience, getting more practice time, getting coached up. And they were able to slide right in when these other guys were no, were, you know, we either became free agents or retired and it has turned into the Buffalo Bills having one of the better offensive lines. This is where Ballard has just, he's, he's, he, he hasn't even stepped, he steps up to the plate, but he doesn't even take a swing (laughs) or actually, I don't even think he stepped up to the plate on it, to be honest. I think he's like, he, you know, he keeps stepping out of the batter's box and taking practice swings 
I, but, I, I saw a video of on TikTok of Marcus Simeon, the uh, second baseman for the Rangers, and he's just kind of chilling in the dugout and then like realizes as they're announcing his name that he was supposed to be on deck. Uh, that's what Chris Ballard is. That's Chris Ballard, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like now you're fighting for your job and it's like, oh, well, you know, but I, but it is. It's when you are, when you look at your roster and you go, I'm fine with this. And you go and you you're rolling out a player like Ashton Doolin at wide receiver as your number two or number three, whatever he is, wide receiver. It's it's concerning. Like you you sometimes you have to spend the money. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to. We get it. You don't want to. You don't want to overpay for somebody. We all understand that. But there's such a thing as trying to make a smart signing and just not making a signing at all. And honestly, I feel like the Colts need to change at GM now because everybody in the, in the league knows Chris Ballard is a tightwad. You know, he's not willing to shell out for the talent. He's going to come in with a low ball offer. And these agents aren't willing to play ball with that. They're like, no, not even going to look at the Colts because you're not going to get an offer that's worth your time. So it's, it's time for a change because now you're, you're going to, you have that mark on you as they're, they're too cheap. Don't even consider them. So talent goes elsewhere because of the stigma that the Colts are cheap. I mean, I've got to remember, yes, it's one thing to, to stick within your budgets, you know, be smart about your finances, but at the same time, these guys are also, it's their livelihoods as well. And they want to make money. And I, like I said, I totally agree with not over-signing for players that have bust written all over them a little bit and being hesitant. But it's another thing to completely sit out free agency pretty much altogether and wait for the bargain bin guys to come crawling to you. It, it, you can't you can't be su- sustainable like that you can't win championships like that you got to be willing to take risks yeah and then they just absolutely don't do that and that's what's frustrating because like i said i'm fine with it if the colts if like at the end of this year you know the colts let's say they end up finishing you know let's say they had signed obj let's say let's say they had brought him in oh he's um, they're not because he's put out his top five right um but let's say they had brought him in and the colts like they're on pace right now to go eight, eight and one. Let's say that's how they, how it goes. They miss the playoffs again. I'm fine. I, I mean, I'm not fine with that in the moment, but, but I look back on it and I'm like, okay, you know what? At least we, at least we got, you know, some talent for Matt Ryan. It didn't work out. That's fine. But when, yeah, like when it goes bad this year and you're like, well, of course it went bad because we, there's, there's nothing. <laughs> there's there's yeah. nothing. You started a left tackle that nobody else wants because he can't block to save his life. And now you're like, Oh, we're, we got some injuries. So let's move over to right tackle and put a unproven rookie at left tackle. Oh, great. It got worse. <laughs> I mean, do I think Bernard Raymond is going to eventually get there? I, I don't know. I hope so. He cleaned I hope it so. up after after that. It was a horrendous start, but he did clean it up as the game went yes. on. I, I think he can get there, but whoever thought going into the season with Matt Pryor as your starting left tackle, look, 
on the offensive line, yeah, everybody says center is the cornerstone. It is. It is. It's really it's important. But that blind side or that left tackle, that is if you do not have a solid left tackle, the entire the rest of the line is is working to pick up the slack from that. And I think that's why we're seeing a drop off from Quentin Nelson this year is because he is having to work doubly hard in making up for the deficiencies at left tackle. Mm-hmm. And that's, which is unfortunate because everybody's like, look, why'd you overpay for Quentin Nelson? Quentin Nelson's worth the money he's getting. It's just, he's being put into a position right now that is unsustainable. Yeah. You're not going to perform up to your abilities because you're having to cover for somebody else. It's just like in any workplace, if you have a, a teammate that you you work with and they're not holding up their end of the deal with the daily work, your work's going to suffer because you're trying to do the job of two people. Right. It, it, you know, it's like any workplace. So I'm not, I'm not jumping on that bandwagon of we overpaid I mean, Quentin pe- Nelson and now look at him. The people that hold uh, that opinion are also the people that think Ryan Grigson was a better GM or is a better GM than Chris Ballard because he took Andrew Luck, which we've we've covered, you know, extensively on Andrew the podcast. Andrew Luck fell into his lap. Right, exactly. We've covered that extensively on the show that like – I could have been the GM right. and just knew that <laughs> taking Andrew Luck was the right decision. And I mean, you can't, and yeah. I don't even think you can make the argument. Well, maybe he would have taken, you know, RG3. He could have messed it up that way. It's like, well, both are out of the league right now. So, I mean, I don't think so... either of them, I don't think either of them really counts as uh, you, you get credit for. Um, right. But, but to say like Quint, all Quentin, Quentin Nelson does is a uh, mean mug and growl, that, that is, which is somebody, which is somebody said on Twitter, um, has de- that's how they describe Quentin Nelson. I'm like, look, hmm. I'm not I'm not I'm not jumping on that one yet because the guy is having to make up for the deficiencies at left tackle and he's have also having to play the the left guard position as well it's yeah and also I will say I don't know maybe cuz it's a little bit of the homer in me but Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet just bashing on Danny Pinter like oh great look now the Dan- now Danny Pinter is at center Look, I thought Danny. I think Danny Pinter is actually a better center than he is a guard. And when he stepped in for Ryan Kelly last year, I was really happy with his performance. So I was, but of course, that also might be the homer in me because Danny <laughs> Pinter is a Ball State guy, and I really like seeing him succeed. But yeah, the offensive line is. I think honestly, if the offensive line was better, if there was more investment at left tackle, or just a slight investment, you know. There was there was guys out there that they could have brought in some veteran guys that yeah they may be a, a little bit step slower but they can't be as bad as Matt Pryor mm-hmm. they just can't and that's yeah and that's that's where I feel bad for Quentin Nelson is that he he's he's playing hard but he's also having to essentially play two positions at yeah. once it's rough um, and yeah I mean. It's it, uh, hopefully it gets better. We're hoping we're hoping it gets better, and hopefully it gets better this next weekend. We're uh, gonna, you know, final question of the podcast here. The Colts will beat Jacksonville this weekend, and I actually do think it is a hot take. With as much trouble as the Colts, 
have had in Jacksonville. The Jags have had just as much trouble in Indy. Uh, Jags have lost eight of the last nine at Lucas Oil. Uh, the Colts have 10 days to prepare, and hopefully they'll be healthy, ready to go, and I think they get the win. So uh, I do think it's, you know, this this is the week it kind of has to turn around, and and I'm hoping, maybe it's blind faith, but I, I think the Colts can, can get it done. I'm honestly going to say this is a cold take because, one, I don't know if Jonathan Taylor's playing this weekend. True. But two, with as bad as the offensive line has been, um, oh, the its name's not is his name Josh Allen? Yeah. As well? Yeah, yeah. 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 Josh Allen is gonna have another heyday. He is a he's good. Okay. Yeah, he plays for the Jaguars, but man, is he good. And I think he's gonna feast. You know, whether he lines up to the left or to the right, he's got clean pickings of Matt Ryan. And if Matt Ryan cannot hold on to the football as he's getting hit, or if these wide receivers can't get open quickly enough. And then also look, Naheem Hines is, is he, he's, is he still in concussion protocol? That was an ugly hit. Mm-hmm. Like good thing. The Colts did. They acted swiftly. They acted with the right. They made the right moves, took his helmet away quickly because that could have been a, a seriously a, a major PR nightmare with him standing up and like, oh my gosh, wobbling the way he did. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be some talent that's not going to be on the field. And you're also going up against one of the better edge rushers in the league. I hope they win. I just, I'm not confident that the offensive line is going to be able to hold up enough for the Colts to be able to move the ball consistently to beat Jacksonville. Do I think they're going to get shut out? No, I don't think they get shut out, but it's going to be a rough day. Yeah. And then if that happens, we might see what we've talked about, get put into motion finally. Uh, Cause so we'll- and yeah, if they lose this weekend, I don't, I don't see a path for them. I don't see them winning in Tennessee. You know, that's another place they've struggled at. Yeah. But I, I mean, if they lose this weekend, that basically puts them, Oh, and five in the division. You're already in a bad division. The AFC is a little bit stronger this year. I mean, the AFC Central has has some team has a couple teams that could be contending for a wild card. The AFC West, obviously, we we know they're strong. It's. I mean, I'm thinking the AFC North. Yeah. Yeah. AFC North. AFC is, Central hasn't existed of. since uh, 2001. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I know what I'm you thinking, meant. <laughs> yeah, with Cleveland well, and all hey, them. I wish but, I, I wish it was the AFC Central because if that was the case, Tennessee wouldn't be in our division. So, so yeah, <laughs> we'd be in the AFC. That means we'd be in the East with the the Patriots and the Bills, and 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 that wouldn't be fun. Uh, yeah, the again, there's. I mean, look, you, you're gonna have you have Miami and Buffalo that are, you know, both gonna be postseason contenders. And aren't the Jets like you above five hundred now? So <laughs> the Jets actually look like they have a pulse, right? So. You go zero and five in the division. I don't see a clear path for the Colts to make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't. I think if you lose these next two games, I think you do see a move made going into, or at least when's the bye week? Bye week is late in the season, and that's what I was just getting ready to say is that you kind of have there's two kind of like exit ramps that you would like nor that you normally see 
something happen uh, before the end of the season. Typically it's in the bye week because you've got extra time and it's, you know, after a Thursday night game because you have, you know, the 10 days, I understand why a move was, I know there were some people who wanted to see a move like immediately, despite what happened, uh, you know, on Thursday, but I know why they didn't because you literally have the two most important games of your season coming up. So if right. you, if you tell your team before those two important games, like that, yeah, actually we, uh, we're going to stink this year. Let's just, let's just phone it in and see what we have. Then that's not a great message. So I see why they didn't do that. And they're like, okay, let's just, let's play these next two games. If we look good, we look good. If we don't, then that's when we make our changes. So, and at the same time, I I don't feel like the Colts will make an in season change because you always have to have, you have to have somebody on that coaching staff that you can trust to take over as interim head coach. I mean, do you give it to Gus Bradley? I think so. He, he, He coached before. Yeah, that's true. He has, and he's coached in the division. Yeah. he's It was the head coach at Jacksonville. Jacksonville. So, I mean, there is that, but the Colts also aren't a team to make a move like that in the middle of the season. But I feel like if there was ever a time for Ursay to do that, it is this year because he's had those those meetings in his office with those with Ballard and Reich where he has just lit into them last year and again this year already i think it's a i think it's a fuse that's waiting to go off but i think if they lose these next two games i could see that move happening going into that game against washington if not at the bye week but at the by that point it's like why make the move then if it's so late in the season just hold on get through it and after that monday following you know black monday it's that's the Monday at all. It all goes down typically. So wait, you can always wait till black Monday. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's what will happen. So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we'll, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't decide which I would rather see more because I do want to see something happen, but I also, if we can salvage the season, I'd like to see that too. So it'll be interesting to see uh, yeah, what the Colts are. I, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a fan of the mid season firing. Cause like, what does it accomplish? What, what does it accomplish that you couldn't have waited until black Monday for? Uh, I, I mean, yes, but I think it also sends the message of like, okay, f- like, cause I mean, I, I don't know. Cause I guess anything can still happen. Like, I mean, cause even if you lose these next two games, like you're truly out of it, but maybe if you rally, you can still make a wild card spot. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's tough. Cause I, it does send it, I think a solid message, especially after what we've seen that like people are finally getting held accountable, but at the same time, you know, you're right. I mean, you don't want to, you know, kind of send that message <laughs> like, you know, before you've even reached the midpoint of the season and what's, you know, what are we playing for at that point? We've already kind of invested in and, you know, so I don't know. I think there's a case that could be made both ways. Yeah. I mean, cause we all knew that season that, um, you know, the suck for luck year, we didn't make a move in the middle of the season that year. I don't think we didn't let Jim Caldwell go. No. At that point, no, we waited till the end of the season. So, like I said, I, I don't under I've never understood why. I mean, unless you think it's early enough in the season and this new coach, this new interim coach can light a fire underneath the guys and get them going. But I never understood it because it's not like this interim coach is going to come in and put in a new system. <laughs> and right. it's just all of a sudden going to magically work. It's. I don't know. 
I think I think it does just kind of get you in the mindset. It gets the organization in the mindset of like, okay, we're gonna start. We can start looking now as opposed to, you know, waiting until right. that per, that person is gone to yeah. To, so you can get that. So yeah, there's a case to be made both ways, but we'll see. These next couple of weeks are gonna be very interesting. Um, and, and hey, that, if if things do go south, that's always that's always. When things go south with, with the Colts, it's it is kind of nice at the same time because if you're on a budget and you actually want to go see a Colts game, tickets on the secondary market become stupid cheap, <laughs> and you can get really good seats for like next to nothing or like really affordable. Afford the affordability goes up, so you can actually attend a Colts game. Yeah, because that year that the suck for luck year, I think I went to three games. <laughs> And like and sat with really really good seats because the price was right. it, you know and I, at that time I was a col- I, we were in college so I was able to afford you know not great but hey we didn't care that we were going to watch the Colts lose we just had fun at the Colts game right so there's a bright side to it oh yeah there there's uh, there is a silver lining that's for sure. Well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all for hanging in and watching us here. Uh, remember, you can follow us or at 3C Media Sports on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, 3C Media. Go check out the YouTube channel and the TikTok. Over on YouTube, um, we have, uh, we're four subscribers away from 100 subscribers. So we're excited to get to that milestone. Um, so go, if you're watching us right now on YouTube or you're listening to us on the podcast apps, go over, uh, hit that subscribe button, ring the bell. Also, as far as TikTok goes, we've uh, been experimenting with some lives. Uh, I did a live uh, yesterday for the football pairing show. We're going to be going live as well for uh, the uh, high school football season going into sectionals. So make sure you're locked in there if you want to see that. And then that content will then, if you miss it, be uploaded to YouTube. So uh, a lot of things going on right now. Uh, and remember, you can listen to us uh, weekly on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard, you can hear the Crash Course podcast. You can find me also at, at Crash Course FM on Twitter. B. Scott, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87. Hopefully uh, the Colts will uh, get that win, um, but uh, we will have to wait and see on that. So, But I hope everybody has a fantastic week.